Wine and Crime contains graphic and explicit content which may not be suitable for some listeners. Listener discretion is advised. Crime, the podcast where three friends chug wine, chat true crime, and unleash their worst Minnesotan accent. Rage-filled tangents. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Some of us felt the need for something a little... Stronger? Stronger than wine today. I cannot drink wine today, and I have never wanted to so much in my life. Yeah. yeah. It's not since March of 2020 that I've needed to just escape reality (sighs) so badly. Mm. Yep. And this is even worse. Yeah. Yep. Well, we're not going to escape reality. Nope. We're going to. We're going to stick with it. Dive into it. We're here. Fight some shit. Who are we, though? Oh, fuck it. You know who the fuck we are. I'm fucking Kenyon. I'm fucking Lucy. (laughs) I'm Amanda. (laughs) (laughs) and we have a very special gals pick no it's a fan pick oh yeah that's right sorry it's a fan pick brought (laughs) to you by clarence thomas samuel alito neil gorsuch brett fucking kavanaugh and fucking amy coney barrett traitor and the topic that they have selected for all of us (laughs) <laughs> is forced birth crimes. I like the- Or just the, forced birth. Yeah, just it's forced a crime. Birth. It's a crime. I like the, the subtlety of our topic today. The, yeah. Yeah. the topic they picked. The, yeah, the, 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 it's the, nuanced. Yeah, the nuance. It's, it's subtle, yeah. Well, you know, according to Amy Coney Barrett, it doesn't present an undue burden. Oh, right. On anyone to oh. be forced to give birth. Yeah. So- there's that. Well, Kay, <laughs> Amanda. As someone who's gotten to listen to Kenyon for the last however many months, she's a burden regardless of whether it's forced yeah. or not. Pregnancy is a burden, and I haven't even gotten to the birth part yet. No. Oh, God. All right, Amanda, let me live vicariously through you. What the <laughs> fuck is our wine crime pairing today? Y'all, I'm just drinking a tumbler of vodka soda out of my <laughs> thanks I hate it glitter tumbler that a listener made me. Thank you. That's Christ. our fucking wine pairing. What are you drinking? <laughs> me? I'm, mm-hmm. I'm, I'm drinking, drinking a- the gal's rosé. Probably the whole thing out of my it's pronounced anus glass. You should have just put a straw in that bottle. Like I don't I I love that you grabbed a glass, but like why curly straw from Rainforest Cafe. Why slow yourself (laughs) down like that? You know what? You're right. This is an undue burden. Yeah. The fact that it goes in a glass first. We need to get those really long curly straws that you could wear on your face like glasses and they spell your name. Yes. Mm -hmm. Mm-hmm. I'll but order it just those spells the fuck card. you. <laughs> yeah. Fucking patriarchy. 
It takes like a full 60 seconds for the liquid to get to your mouth. That's <laughs> actually just a huge pain in the ass. It's an undue burden. Work. Okay. That's a do burden. I'm fine with that. It's a do burden. I'm good. I'm good with that one. I'm drinking Raz Cranberry LaCroix and Yum. wanting to die. Yeah. Wow. You have we to survive are... for your unborn child. Yes. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I think your unborn child needs a drink too, so... I, I, you know what? Tonight, um, she might, she might get her first taste of rosé tonight. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Normally, actually, I drink red for the idiot. Saying accidents. that in Kentucky could leave me open to felony charges if anything were to happen, <laughs> and I have a history of miscarriage. So great! It's mm. gonna be good. It's gonna be good. Yep. Well, I'll write to you when you're in prison. Yeah. Great. Fabulous. Well, we make can... sure you have recording equipment so you can get us the inside scoop. I'll Yeah, exactly. I'll still send you guys transcripts. <laughs> Just get a robot to read them. <laughs> Scott will read them in a, in a blonde wig. <laughs> and we'll have John set up little bars in front of your, My cartoon. your video cartoon. Scott just goes, and you know what that means? means geography. Ge- geography. <laughs> Why do you do this every oh, week? Oh, I am, I am Kenyan. That's written into your transcript. <laughs> your previously prepared transcript. It would be. It would be. Oh, we, we, make, we make Scott put on just red lipstick. <laughs> halfway, and then touch it up bangs. halfway through. Really great bangs. <laughs> Using her Skype camera. <laughs> we just make We're a ready. Kenyan filter. We're ready for your maternity I am leave. nothing if not predictable, okay? <laughs> I mean... <laughs> We, as a, as the three of us, are very much that. Yeah. Anyway, that's my wine crime pairing. I don't give a yeah, fuck. Yeah, fuck it. Who the fuck cares? Drink till you forget. Okay. Cheers. Um, cheers. Right, cheers. God. <laughs> Lucy, what is our background and psych for forced birth? Forced birth. <sighs> well, I didn't really know where to start because I've been screaming about this all fucking weekend. Yep. Mm. Because as we record this, this happened, This the Roe v. Wade overturning happened three days ago. Mm-hmm. Fri- yeah, we're recording Monday. It happened Friday. Yeah, so uh, she's fresh. Mm-hmm. But uh, I'm, yeah, there's been a lot. It was actually really hard for me to write these notes because it was hard to synthesize. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you know yeah. what I mean? Same. Mm-hmm. So I'm just going to jump right in. So one of the main talking points right now from people on the far right, a.k.a. extremists, I have heard this personally from several people who support the overturning of Roe v. Wade is, well, now promiscuous women can't just use abortion as a form of birth control. Mm-hmm. Right. Because that's, that's what that anyone was, was doing. Yeah. 100%. Yep. Mm-hmm. So just to uh, correct, in case anyone listening has that that notion. Or somebody in your circle does and you've had to hear them spew that bullshit. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's just so fucking out of reality. Who does get an abortion in the U.S.? So here's a little breakdown from the New York Times. Today, versus like 40 years ago, teenagers are having far fewer abortions and abortion patients are more likely to already be parents. Mm -hmm. Although there's a lot of debate over gestational cutoffs, nearly half of abortions happen in the first six weeks of pregnancy and nearly all of them in the first trimester. And another thing, if you're not like period literate, when Mm -hmm. you're tracking how pregnant you are, 
Mm-hmm. You're already if minimum you ha- four weeks. Well, minimum two weeks, and that's only if you have a perfect 28-day cycle, mm-hmm. which no, only but- like 10% of people do. But by the time you can get a positive pregnancy test at home or at the doctor's office, you are minimum four weeks. Mm-hmm. It's yes. not possible to get a positive pregnancy test before then you don't have enough HCG levels. But there is system. some there is some milestone that is two weeks, but you will never know that you're pregnant if you are less than two weeks pregnant. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's impossible to know. So the typical patient, in addition to having children, is poor, mm-hmm. is unmarried and in her late 20s, has some college education, and like I said, is very early in pregnancy. But in the reproductive lives of women and transgender and non-binary people who can become pregnant across the United States, abortion is not uncommon. The latest estimate from the Guttmacher Institute, which is a reproductive health research group that supports abortion rights, found that 25% of women will have an abortion by the end of their childbearing years. Mm -hmm. Yeah, one in four. So don't think that... The same percentage of people who will... Are of pregnancies that will miscarry. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. One Which in four. Which is bound as illegal in some, mm-hmm. some cases already. Mm-hmm. So, quote, there isn't one monolith demographic who get abortions, says Ushma Upadhyay, a professor with advancing new standards in reproductive health at the University of California in San Francisco. The same people who become pregnant and give birth are the same people who have abortions at different points in their lives. This has nothing to do largely with, oops, I had unprotective sex. Oops, mm-hmm. I got pregnant. Better go get an abortion. Mm-hmm. It's not kidding. Well, Nobody even wants, if it does. And even, even if, if it, it does, does it doesn't the, matter. But the vast majority is not. So this talking right. point that it's claims just a, it's just to debunk these irresponsibility. Close your legs if you yeah. don't want to, you know, like, go fuck yourself. Oh, you we'll have no fucking legs. idea. Mm-hmm. From mm-hmm. the ACLU, forced pregnancy laws prevent people from making their own decisions about whether to continue a pregnancy or have an abortion um, amount to forced pregnancy. Outright abortion bans aren't the only way to force a pregnancy. Even when Roe v. Wade was still technically intact, laws pushed abortion out of reach across much of the country. And long-term consequences of that include long-lasting health consequences as well as life-threatening complications like eclampsia, which can lead to seizures or comas, and postpartum hemorrhage. Mm -hmm. Increased levels of poverty for people turned away from the abortion care they need and an inability to cover basic needs like food, housing, and transportation. Or just the economic repercussions of having to go through some of the like hoops that different states put people through before Roe v. Wade was overturned. So like, uh, you know, you have to have two different consultations and they have to be three days apart and there's only one center and it's hundreds of miles from where you live. So you have Mm -hmm. to take this many days off work and you have to pay to travel there and then you Mm -hmm. lose your job and then you can't support your kids that you've already given birth to and that you're already responsible for. Yes, all of these. The economic implications are like, we still don't even know what those are even going to be. This Mm -hmm. is, this is, it's, it's going to be so much farther reaching than just, oh, I can't get an abortion. Mm-hmm. It's not, it is not even, not Calculable. even just that. No, it's crazy. 
Another long-lasting impact is ongoing contact with and violence from an abusive partner. Mm -hmm. The number one cause of death for pregnant people in this country is homicide from their partner. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And this does not include exhaustion, severe vomiting, hair loss, stretch marks, incontinence, weight gain, breast distortion, postpartum depression, painful sexual intercourse, Emotional trauma, preeclampsia, heart attack, stroke, fistula, cracked nipples, torn perineum, breast infection, hemorrhage, gestational diabetes, and death. 861 women died during childbirth in 2020 in the U.S. So that's at least two per day. Almost 10 times the number of law enforcement officials who were killed in the line of duty during the same period. Mm -hmm. 10 times. It is 10 times riskier to be pregnant than it is to be a police officer. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Forced pregnancy impacts anybody seeking reproductive and bodily freedom, but not everybody is impacted equally when abortion is banned or pushed out of reach. The burden falls hardest on people who already face systemic racism and discrimination in this country, including people of color, people who are undocumented, people with disabilities, and LGBTQ plus people, as well as people who are young, have low incomes, or live in rural areas. Mm-hmm. So fighting these laws is essential to the fight for racial, economic, and gender justice. All of these things come together. This is so intersectional. And if you're only focusing on, you know, white people, people with money, if you say, oh, well, I'm going to move or something like if that. If you're only it's focused like, on yourself, if you're, if you're mm-hmm. only focused on oh, well, I live in a blue state or I would be able to afford to travel, blah, 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 then you don't fucking get it. You have no fucking empathy and you're not an actual ally in this fight. Mm -hmm. So I'm really just tired of hearing about people like, oh, I'm going to move to Canada or I'm going to move to another state. First of all, Canada has money or like whatever. Canada doesn't fucking want you. Okay, no. I say I this. asked. <laughs> uh, there's a reason I had to leave Vancouver, folks. <laughs> I say this as a person who has been an expat multiple times, which is just a fancy word for privileged white immigrant. Mm-hmm. Yep. And these other countries, they don't want you or you have to meet very specific criteria to be allowed to to be there Mm -hmm. for a very specific set of time and you have to have a visa and you're not necessarily going to qualify for it and it can be revoked at any time and it's tied to your employment and you don't just just because you're a privileged American you don't just get to decide to move to another country hello I was talking to somebody and they were just like I I, I'm just gonna move I I've always wanted to live in New Zealand I was like fucking love Okay. Okay. (laughs) You should have thrown a dart at a map that didn't include the hardest place in the world to immigrate. Uh, Good luck getting a a visa. Like, I think it's really a rigmarole getting a tourist visa. I had a master's degree and I couldn't get a work visa in South Africa. Mm. Yeah. Like, I had a spousal visa because my husband worked in education and was granted one of a very, very few number of Mm -hmm work permits to work at a very specific school. And if he had lost his job, we both would have been kicked out of the country. Mm -hmm. So my point is, if you feel like you are exempt from the ramifications and repercussions of this ruling, you're not. Mm -hmm. And even if you technically are, you know and love people who are not. This will affect everybody. And if you think, well, I... I'm pro-choice, but I would never get an abortion, which I used to fuck in my early 20s before I fucking knew shit. 
Mm-hmm. I used to say shit like that because I, I've always known that I wanted to be a mom and, and have kids. Mm-hmm. So I used to literally fucking think and believe and say, well, I'm pro-choice, but I would never have an abortion. And you mm-hmm. know what? Life is long and you don't fucking know what's going to happen to you. Well, and you don't fucking always, know what you're going to need. You're not, not always even, aborting a, a viable fetus exactly. either. Yeah. Like you don't know if you were going to have an ectopic pregnancy. Right. You don't know if you were going to need a DNC on any amount of your miscarriages. You don't right. know like what. Yeah, exactly. Uh, you could encounter a health complication where the only fucking solution. viable solution is abortion. You don't Otherwise, know if you, you both are die. going to have an addiction and mm. your life will change ra- drastically and you won't feel like you'll be able to gestate and then care for a baby. You don't know if you're going to be raped. You don't know. You don't know how you're just going to feel. Abortion so is healthcare. It yes. just is. It just fucking is. And I honestly think 25% of women will seek an abortion within their, you know, f- fertility window. Sounds kind of low, honestly. Mm-hmm. I know at least a dozen people who have told me mm-hmm. that they have had an abortion. And I'm sure that there are plenty more people that I know that have had one and just haven't talked about it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And those are just people that I, like, really know in my life. Yeah, mm-hmm. it's, not some, it's not like a gatekeeping thing either. It's not like something you need to, pr- you know. Mm-mm. it's just, No. You don't need to share that with anyone. It's healthcare. Yeah. It's healthcare. Yeah. It's like I don't have to tell everyone about every colonoscopy I have to get. Yeah. I've had my <laughs> wart removed several times. It keeps growing back. Oh, my yeah. God. Okay. Okay. So <laughs> essentially overnight and as of recording this episode, since it is bound to get worse, 26 states in the U.S. have or will ban abortions outright, ultimately affecting over half of American people who can get pregnant ages 15 to 44. So here's um, from Washington Post, quote, None of the new laws forcing pregnant women to give birth have mandated consequences for the impregnator. Mm-hmm. When he causes an unwanted pregnancy and birth, these laws do not require him to share the medical expense of childbearing or the lifelong cost of child rearing, emotional, physical, financial, or practical. Mm-hmm. Economic hardships of government forced childbirth include a woman's job or income loss, years of unpaid child care, and increased household expenses. Women most often bear the brunt of these costs when a child is unplanned and unwanted. My biological father, who has never laid eyes on me, couldn't pick me out of a lineup, (laughs) lived about 20 minutes away from me my whole childhood, declined to meet me. My mom had to take him to court for... Child support. Mm -hmm. The max I think he ever paid was $150 a month, plus me being on his health care. And he lied about his income so that he could pay less in child support every month because a lot of his income was under the table. And what else? He would pay late. He tried to trick my mom into getting rid of her lawyer. He was like, let's make this more amicable And, you know, like, whatever, I'll agree to this if you drop having your lawyer. And she said, okay, well, if you want to do this without lawyers, are you going to drop your lawyer? And he said, no, we'll use the same lawyer. Mm -hmm. Uh (laughs) Uh-huh. That's how it works. It's bullshit on (sighs) every level. I can't even, I can't even get into it. Can't. And he had, his permission had to be, again, never set eyes on me in his life. And his permission had to be granted for me to get a passport to leave the country with my mom when I was a child. Mm -hmm. 
Not great, folks. Not great. So on the flip side of forced birth is forced or coerced sterilization. Mm-hmm. So I'm going to talk about some things that really, it's not about abortion necessarily, but it's all about the government it's having a say. Connected. It's all connected. It is all of the same coin. It yeah. really is. And that's why. We'll get to it. We will get to. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> I have a lot. Yeah, that's that's my segment. We will get to yeah. it. We will fucking share share plenty. the oxygen on Earth with other folks during their segments as well. <laughs> I, I know. I know Chime you have in. feels. I know you have feels. I'm not going to give limit a... my takes, but I'm happy to listen to your. But takes. I'm putting my laws on your body. Yeah, don't put your laws on my body. Yeah, okay. Nobody's going to silence me. Sure as hell not going to be either of you. Well, let's go. That's going to be an unimpressed episode. <laughs> this is from PBS. Quote, used as a means of controlling, quote, undesirable populations, immigrants, people of color, poor people, unmarried mothers, the disabled, the mentally ill, for example, Federally funded sterilization programs took place in 32 states throughout the 20th century. This was Mm -hmm. yesterday. Mm -hmm. Driven by prejudiced notions of science and social control, these programs informed policies on immigration and segregation. Which brings us to eugenics. Mm -hmm. I am confident this is going to be its own episode in the future. I hope that it is because it so beyond fucked up. Mm-hmm. So I'm going to try not to go too far down that path. But like I said, it's inextricably, inextricably it's linked to what's going on right now because it is yet another means of the government controlling which babies are born. Well, then mm-hmm. that's white supremacy. Yep. Yeah. Everything is inextricably linked we'll to get white to supremacy. it, honey. Oh, We're I know. We're <laughs> going to get right to it. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Eugenics is defined by my lover Encyclopedia Britannica as quote the selection of desired heritable characteristics in order to improve future generations, typically in reference to humans. It's selective breeding of humans. It is racist science. Yeah, not to like eradicate diabetes and other deadly diseases. No, but. it's to make sure. <laughs> Yeah, so yep. I don't actually talk about or this Or even guy, if it but, was, right, right. you're still a human being with diabetes. You still have the right to have children if you want them, and you're still a viable human being, and I'm okay. glad you were born. Okay. Me too. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> Your next Unimpressed episode, you're writing it yourself. Okay. <laughs> There's this guy who, his name is something Laughlin. He went around to all these different- Lori Laughlin. Prison, probably Lori Laughlin. <laughs> he went to different prisons and like mental institutions and all these things, both in the US and in Europe. And We'll get to it. And basically conducted surveys to see like where these people came from and what their background was. And then by that created basically like a rubric of, mm-hmm. wi- of which like heritable characteristics- uh, can predict criminality, mm-hmm. sexual perversion, which included like promiscuity, mm-hmm. uh, mental and health also issues, orientation. Oh yeah, like All breed the oh, gay yes. away. Absolutely, mm-hmm. and the fact that they gathered data from patients who were like in institutions—that's not. It's just so fucking gross. On some and there levels. are a lot of pro forced birthers. I refuse to call them pro life, who point to eugenics and say like, oh, well, this is what you want. You want Nazi Germany. 
but it's but it's the opposite. Mm-hmm. It's you want this. Mm-hmm. You oh, are controlling we'll get the reproduction. <laughs> All right. Please, for the love of God, let me get through my segment. Okay. <laughs> I have not been that bad. <laughs> I'm confident you could be worse. <laughs> so eugenics is linked to social Darwinism, and it did have a good run for a while in the late 19th century until the Nazis used to justify used it to justify the extermination of entire races. So when we talk about forced sterilization, for example, and I've seen this all over Facebook lately, the notion that men should be required to get vasectomies in response to the overturning of Roe v. Wade, just know that this is as problematic Mm -hmm. as forced birth and also has a real foothold in recent history. So don't don't use it as a hypothetical. It's not fucking funny. It's It's been done. It's it's the same fucking thing. Right. And if and that's different than saying like you are a man and you choose to get a vasectomy. That's fine. No, forced forced, forced vasectomy. But all the forced vasectomy yep. talk, those it's jokes, just you're whatever. using the same fucking shit, the same weaponry against mm-hmm. the quote unquote enemy, and it just and it's it doesn't extremely work. triggering. I it's imagine really for shit. people of color because mm-hmm. it's been especially used Recent against them. History, mm-hmm. which mm-hmm. I'm getting to right now. Specifically concerning immigration and how it relates to eugenics in U.S. policy, this is from eugenicsarchive.org, quote, Congress passed America's first naturalization law in 1790. It limited the privilege of U.S. citizenship to, quote, free white persons. About a century later, immigration laws began to restrict who could enter the country, The 1882 Act to Regulate Immigration prohibited entry to, quote, any person unable to take care of himself or herself without becoming a public charge. Yep. So disabled folks, not even considered. No, not even. You Mm -hmm. you Um, can't come in. Also, just a hint to all of the white Americans out there, like 90% of you, your ancestors came before it would have been illegal for them to come here. And that's the only reason they were able to come here. And have those generations, including you, is because we weren't strict about immigration back then. But mm-hmm. most of your fucking ancestors wouldn't have qualified. So mm-hmm. fuck you. It depends on when they came over. But yeah. Yeah. So but all the, the like poor German right. immigrants who came over in the 1850s or right. whatever, none of you would have been allowed to be here if you had come 30 years later. Mm-hmm. So the law was designed to exclude immigrants whose undesirable conditions might prove costly to society, including convicted criminals, the poor, and the mentally ill. Mm-hmm. In that same year, the Chinese Exclusion Act was the first measure to specifically target immigrants by race or ethnicity. Mm-hmm. So initially, immigration wasn't a federal issue. Like, they could they could set rules and laws and whatever, but any any state that had a port— it was mm-hmm. that state's responsibility to to monitor who was coming into the country. So in the 1890s, the feds built a single port of entry on Ellis Island, which is an incredible museum. If you've never been to Ellis mm-hmm. Island, highly it's recommend. It was yeah. really fucking cool. But because it was just in this one small island and thousands and thousands and thousands of people were going through it, like in it just the sheer number of like humanity that was going through Ellis Mm -hmm. Island is mind blowing. So this led to outbreaks of smallpox, typhus, cholera, amongst other diseases. Mm -hmm. So this resulted in health inspections by public health services of every individual entering the country. 
And once there was more emphasis on the health and therefore the social value of individuals, we start seeing calls for things like literacy tests and um, mm. reports of, like I mentioned, the Laughlin guy, the trends of the origins of the, quote, inferior stock. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Specifically those coming from Southern and Eastern European heritage. So Italians and Jews. Mm-hmm. 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 So this is just one example of eugenics being used to control certain groups, and it has been used widely in the U.S. as, quote, a commonly accepted means of protecting society from the offspring and therefore equally suspect of those individuals deemed inferior or dangerous. So the poor, the disabled, the mentally ill, criminals, and people of color. We will get to it, how some of those things are defined, because right now— some people might be thinking, well, do we really want the mentally ill and criminals? No, 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 no. It's like, first of all, everyone is mentally ill. And second mm-hmm. of all, we will get to some pretty wild cases that fell under those umbrellas during the Nazi regime. And you might be surprised at whether or not you would have been chosen for forced sterilization. Mm-hmm. I probably would have been. Oh, I definitely would have been. But Mine also, and like, I mentally ill, yeah. born poor to a single mom. Yeah, like, bum pancreas over here is yeah. definitely not making it. And like we've <laughs> talked so many times Bad about like different traits that might result in criminality. <laughs> like, out. like your, you know, maybe you're more likely to fall under like a psychopathy or something like that. That doesn't mean you're going to be a murderer. Right. No, like they, 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 these really are good doctors. These are behavioral issues that they have, you know, just relied on genetics, assumed that they played a a, a big enough role to limit the the. Rep- it's reducing human beings to livestock and sorting them accordingly, mm-hmm. like lazily too. Yeah. Yeah. So this is from PBS. Southern states in the U.S. employed sterilization as a means of controlling African-American populations. So what they called Mississippi appendectomies oh was, a, my God. was another name for unnecessary hysterectomies performed at teaching hospitals in the South on women of color as practice for medical students. Mm-hmm. A third of the sterilizations were done on girls under the age of 18 and as young as nine years old. With no consent. No, this was forced sterilization of of black people in southern states. I obviously knew that that occurred and was rampant. I had never heard the term Mississippi appendectomy before. That is fucking revolting. It's oh really my gross. God. So another example of government controlled reproduction is China's one child policy. So this was implemented in the late 70s with the intention of limiting the country's exploding population. One of the consequences of this is a gender skew of three to four percent more males than females in the country, particularly in rural areas due to a higher higher abortion rates of female fetuses, placing baby girls up for adoption and even infanticide and abandonment of baby girls because the the boys are more desirable for for many reasons in terms of like rural areas, like agricultural reasons, but mm-hmm. also the boys are the ones that carry on the name. Mm-hmm. The boys are the ones who inherit all the property and mm-hmm. the boy and his family are the ones that are going to take care of the yeah. older it generations. Economically makes... Well, economically, a, a son will gain a yep. wife and 
add her labor to the family. And won't whereas be a financial a, burden on the family right, in the same way. Don't, as whereas a, the girls. daughter, you lose her labor to the mm-hmm. in-laws family. So and, what's the point? And you have to pay a dowry. Mm-hmm. And now, I mean, this was like the 70s, so I don't know about the dowry thing. But now... Oh, there's still very much... Yeah, that was still an issue then. Now, so there are so many more males than females. So these males that that can't find a wife that never get married so that they therefore don't carry on the family's lineage are called, oh, like leftover. It's it's translates to broken branches, Mm. like Mm. of the family tree. They're just snapped off. No more. One of my bosses in China um, was a woman. She was born in the 70s during the, you know, cultural revolution. And her parents were poor and rural and they didn't want a daughter and they left her on top of a mountain as a newborn to just die from the elements. Mm-hmm. And her grandparents... Just kill her outright. Jesus Christ. How right. is that more empathetic? Well, her grandparents heard about this and they were like, no, this is too barbaric. And they went and found her abandoned on the mountaintop and brought her back and raised her themselves. Mm-hmm. And now... This is like the plot line for Oedipus. <laughs> I know. <laughs> it's like, actually. And, well, she was, I mean, she was a fucking crazy person. I wonder right. why. But she then turned out to be extremely pretty. And she married this, like, wealthy Chinese businessman and had all this money now that she's an adult and in her 40s. And so she, like, is supposed to take care of her parents and grandparents. It's, like, her, you know, filial obligation. Mm-hmm. But she takes she took care of her grandparents in, like, luxury, like, mm-hmm. lavish surroundings. And her parents who abandoned her, she had in, like, a shit, run-down <laughs> apartment. Like, yeah. They, they weren't her, they weren't her real parents anyway. Fuck mm-hmm. them. Yeah, other that's a, other that's a boss move. I like that. Yeah. yeah. Other consequences insane. of the one child policy include a massive elderly population without enough younger people to care for them. And some estimates are in the tens of millions of unreported second or third or whatever pregnancies leading to undocumented people in the country. Yeah. With there's like, no don't record have of their permits. existence. They they can't work. They can't get married. They can't live in the public eye because according to the state, they they don't don't fucking exist. They can't Mm. even really travel domestically because you still need permits to travel. Can't go to school. Yeah. Like, Mm. you just can't. Healthcare. Yeah. Also, now, because their population is so fucked. I'm stressed eating candy. They've. For listeners at home. They've gotten rid of. drinking (laughs) rosé. They've gotten rid of the one child policy. And now they've increased it. And I think if you earn enough money, you're allowed to have like up to three or four or whatever. So now it's becoming like a status symbol in China to have multiple children. It and has been for a long time, though, because you were able to essentially buy your way into having more than one kid. Yes. It so was not everybody who this affected. Right. And now there's talk because that still isn't doing enough. Like family, even wealthy families still aren't having enough children to like fix their fucked up birth rate. That they're talking about banning abortion. Cool. Well, now the U.S. has done it, and well, I mean, set see, a great example. So see how well this whole thing works. <laughs> if the it's government just... can control your reproduction, they can control it in either direction. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. That's kind of what I was trying to sort of show in my segment. It this mm-hmm. is not just abortion. This is a precedent. This is it, it has historical precedent and historical. 
huge fucking backfiring. Mm-hmm. And we haven't even gotten to the implications in the U.S. just in terms of overruling the right to privacy and what other mm-hmm. opinions are at risk now. Oh, what other yeah. rights we're going to lose from this Supreme Court. Yep. Every every Supreme Court ruling now is thrown into question. Every Mm -hmm. single one. Yeah. If they can take away a right that we've had for 50 years, longer than we've been alive, they can take away anything. I tweeted about this recently, but, you know, obviously Clarence Thomas is married to a white woman, so he probably wouldn't vote in favor of this. But guess what? Maybe some of the other justices would, and maybe he would be overruled. Fucking... Loving versus Virginia, the 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 decision that struck down anti-miscegenation mm-hmm. laws, which prevented white and black people mm-hmm. mainly, but just white and non-white people from marrying and procreating. That decision was Loving versus Virginia. That he left ha- that out of his ruling, though. Oh yeah, of course that one's safe because mm-hmm. it affects him. Mm-hmm. That was decided in 1967. A lot of southern states didn't actually like get with the program and follow that mm-hmm. ruling until 1974, which was after Roe v. Wade. Like mm-hmm. Kentucky still had an anti-miscegenation law on the books until 1974. Mm-hmm. So that this, this forced birth is cruel and unusual punishment. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm across the board mm-hmm. and interracial marriage school segregation mm-hmm. fucking uh, slavery who the mm-hmm. fuck knows what's next oh they, have this you is seen, an erosion of our rights yeah have you seen some of the wackadoos that are being interviewed by journalists that are no, like i haven't there there have been multiple <laughs> people celebrating this scotus ruling who have been interviewed by journalists who say that they are for the states being left to decide on bringing back slavery. States' rights. Mm-hmm. It's okay. all one thing, people. So to mm-hmm. close, I'm going to read a post that I saw my friend Mal. Hi, Mal, that I saw earlier today. She posted on Facebook. The road to fascism is lined with people telling you to stop overreacting. Hallelujah. So don't stop fighting, people. This is as serious as we're making it sound. This will have repercussions for everybody. Yep. And I'm horrified and disgusted in our country. If you have ever, ever, ever had sex with someone where someone in that exchange could have gotten pregnant, you're you're culpable. Yeah. Mm -hmm. You're part of this. Anyway, that's my segment. I don't feel good. (laughs) All right. I don't know. Uh, I don't know if we're going to have sponsors for this episode or not, but let's take a break and then we'll get to my fucking segment. FrameBridge makes it easier and more affordable than ever to frame your favorite things without leaving the house. That is my favorite thing. Yes. Can I frame not leaving the house? Probably. (laughs) Yeah, you probably could. (laughs) Add a gallery wall to your home office or send the perfect gift from art prints and diplomas to the photos just sitting on your phone collecting that cyber dust. You can FrameBridge just about anything. Tell us more. I love the option to upload things from your phone for FrameBridge. You, you did it in the car a couple I did. weeks ago. I did. I, I've done it. Basically, every time we go on tour, we snap like some kind of cute photo and I frame bridge it. I think the one I did this time was you and me laying in the grass in in Dallas. Yes. 
and like and I, two minutes later, you're like, yep, it's on the way. Yep. It's just the best thing in the world. And it's so easy to do. So here's a reminder of how it works. You just go to framebridge.com and upload your photo. Or if you have like a physical item that you really want framed, they will send you packaging to safely mail in your physical pieces. And you can trust it. Like Kenyon mm-hmm. mailed in their like wedding ketubah. Yeah. I got it, it framed. It's reliable. It's reliable. Preview your item online in dozens of frame styles and gallery wall layouts. You can choose your favorite or get free recommendations from their talented designers, which I have done both. Mm -hmm. The experts at FrameBridge will custom frame your item and deliver your finished piece directly to your door, ready to hang. I say this every time. The only thing missing is a hammer and a wall. Like Mm -hmm. it has all of the high quality hanging materials. It's not gonna fall down yeah it's, it's like not- highly rated right little little nails and stuff yeah it's not gonna wreck your walls like it's flawless and instead of the hundreds that you would pay at a framing store which don't include the hardware to hang it a mm-hmm. lot of the time mm-hmm. the prices at framebridge start at 39 dollars, and all shipping is free it's a blessing Plus, our listeners will get 15% off their first order at framebridge.com when they use our code WINECRIME. So order online at framebridge.com or if you are blessed, stop by a Framebridge store to work with a designer in person if you are in New York, D.C., Atlanta, Philly, Boston, or Chicago. That toddle in town. Oh, get started today. Frame your photos or send someone the perfect gift. Go to framebridge.com. And use promo code WINECRIME to save an additional 15% off your first order. Again, just go to framebridge.com, promo code WINECRIME. One more time, framebridge.com, promo code WINECRIME, and treat your walls. Treat them! Listen, folks, knowledge is power. Maybe now more than ever. And when you know more, you can make better decisions for your body, for your health, and for your future. There aren't many decisions bigger than having children. Mm -hmm. But for many women and people with uteruses, their fertility is a big question mark. Yeah, now more than ever, people, Mm -hmm. you got to stay on top of this stuff. And that's why Modern Fertility was created. It's an easy and affordable way to test your fertility hormones at home with a simple finger prick. It is remarkably simple. Mm -hmm. You mail that in with a prepaid label and you'll get your personalized results within 10 days so fast. So what they send you is insight into your hormone levels, your ovarian reserve. So that's like how many eggs you have compared Mm -hmm. to other people your age and other important fertility factors. These results go deep into what every hormone means and you can download the results to review with your doctor for next steps. Traditional testing can cost over $1,000. No thank yeah. you. Yeah. But Modern Fertility gets you the same information at a fraction of the price. And if you go to modernfertility.com slash gals, you can get an extra 20 bucks off your test. Amazing. And if you, if you have an HSA or an FSA, you can also use those dollars toward Modern Fertility. So it is yeah. so affordable. It gives you this crucial information so you can have control over your body mm-hmm. it's just there th- there's no downside so if you want kids today or maybe one day in the future or you just want to know what's happening mm-hmm. clinically sound information about your body can help you make the decision that is right for you Correct. And right now, Modern Fertility is offering our listeners $20 off the test when you go to modernfertility.com slash gals. That means your test will cost $179 instead of the hundreds or thousands it could cost at a doctor's office. 
Get $20 off your fertility test when you go to modernfertility.com slash gals. One more time, modernfertility.com slash gals and treat your knowledge. Treat it. Okay. So I decided to focus on fat, like specifically European fascism and forced birth because it felt close at hand. I don't know. Okay. I don't even fucking know. I'd like to begin with a quote from Anne Wingenter. I don't know how to say her name. Mm. Professor of History and Women's Studies at Loyola University. Quote, I think that reproductive rights are an important sign for democratic backsliding because I think they are a way in which the definition of the people in the whole notion of rule by the people gets narrowed. Some people get to be fully autonomous and some don't. Yep. Mm -hmm. So something that all authoritarian regimes, whether they be fascist or communist or somewhere in the middle, because it's all just one mobile strip Mm -hmm. that connects on the far ends. Mobius strip, sorry, that connects on the far ends. (laughs) Papier mâché. Good job. (laughs) That was a good catch. (laughs) Something they all have in common is an obsession with controlling reproductive rights and women's bodily autonomy. And when I say women, I am including anyone who can get pregnant and and give birth. But historically, that was limited to women. And so a lot of the statistics are limited to, quote unquote, women. But Mm -hmm. women asterisks. Mm -hmm. Okay. So I'm going to focus on 20th century Europe here. But this is just a small sample. We already talked about the ways in which the United States... And other enslaving colonialist countries. Oh, we're not done talking about that yeah. yet. Brutally controlled <laughs> women's reproduction. We'll women's get to it color. in my segment. I figured. Depth. Okay. <laughs> so I recognize that and Amanda will get to it. Okay. So societies seem to be most at risk of succumbing to authoritarianism in times of economic crisis and or political division and gridlock. We have all of the above. <laughs> yeah. There are going to be a lot of alarm bells that mm-hmm. start to ring. So for Europe, the rise of both fascism and revolutionary Bolshevism or like communism occurred in the aftermath of World War One. I. <laughs> I said bullshitism. I bullshitism. thought so too, but I was like, I like it. Sure. Bolshevism, bullshitism, it's all mm-hmm. the one. Mm-hmm. So tens of millions of people, many of them young men of like prime reproductive age, were killed in the worst war the planet had seen up until that point. And so the economies of especially like the losing countries were in shambles after mm-hmm. World War One. There was high inflation and historically low birth rates. Mm-hmm. Fewer young dudes to fuck or get married. Mm-hmm. Folks are too poor. They can't support a kid. They, you know, they get married later. All of those things, which we all have now. Mm-hmm. And this had elites in an absolute panic. So it is estimated, quote, Germany lost 12 to 13 million people because of World War I, mm-hmm. or one-fifth of the nation's total population. Are you talking lo- about de- killed during the war or were never born as a result of the war? Uh, killed during the war, I believe. Not just mm-hmm. from war, but from all starvation, of, all of disease, yeah. everything. Results. So not like on the battlefield only. Yeah, right. right. It, as a result of the war. Of right. the war, yep. Okay. A lot of which was like disease. 
The loss of these Germans was not bolstered by the birth rate, which declined post-war and continued to decline throughout the interwar period. So the birth rate fell from 27.5 in 1913 to 25.9 in 1920 and to 14.7 in 1933, then the lowest figure throughout Europe. So it's no surprise that restricting reproductive choice was one of the very first moves of every European fascist regime. Mm -hmm. So Adolf Hitler became the chancellor of Germany in January 1933. And at the time, the political landscape was extremely fractured. Basically, like the people on even like in the center, but like center left and center right fucking vehemently hated each other, could not come together to form a centrist coalition. Mm -hmm. And then they both had even more extremes on either side. So the extreme far left, there was a communist faction, and then the extreme far right was obviously the Nazis, okay? Mm. So even though Hitler never got more than 40% mm-hmm. public support, public approval, before he became chancellor. The popular vote. 40%. He still ended up getting the reins, becoming chancellor. It's complicated, but it's because it was so fractured, and that's how he came to power, okay? But he came to power legally. Mm-hmm. Right away. Democratically. Democratically. Yeah. Yeah. Well, Well, yeah. If you consider things like the Electoral College, which I know is not what they have, but Democrats. Well, they had, yeah. (laughs) He was elected into power. He legally won an election. Yeah. He, well, it's without the political. It's a little more complicated than that because they couldn't, the majority couldn't form a coalition. And so as a minority party, he was able to be selected as chancellor. Mm-hmm. There were elections that got him to that point, but then that last point was was actually just like a negotiation. Got it. But it's not like he was just propped up and put into power like right. out of the blue. No, it wasn't just like a military coup thing or whatever. It was yeah. like elections, gridlock, mm-hmm. political party negotiations. Okay, we'll, we'll let him be the figurehead. Right. Yeah, I'm just saying that he came to power from the same in legal means some mm-hmm. of the same ways that we put our exactly fascists mm-hmm. into power very similar and the 40% thing should cause absolute alarm bells because mm-hmm. apparently 40% of countries just like authoritarianism i don't know so right away the nazis began implementing a combination of policies to increase the white aryan birth rate these were quote a combination of punitive pro-natalist policies, for example, information about birth control, giving information about birth control became a criminal offense, which some states are already talking about trying to implement, and that would go to the Supreme Court because of First Amendment issues. But, you know, Mm -hmm. some states are already talking about it, criminalizing information about birth control and abortion. Yeah, not even just contraceptive, but information about contraception. That's already been around, the abstinence-only sex Mm -hmm. ed shit. Sure, there's the Hyde Amendment, there's abstinence-only sex ed, but there's also, like, criminalizing someone just going on the internet on social media and being like, this is how you could have an abortion, you could self-administer an abortion at home with these herbs. Mm -hmm. Some states are trying to, like, criminalize that. So that, that went first. Abortion has, was already illegal, but it was basically just ignored. Mm-hmm. So it wasn't closely monitored. Like it kind of, it's like it's always been. It's like people would 
mm-hmm. figure out how to get themselves abortions and nobody criminalized that. Well, now the Nazis criminalized that. Quote, with women facing up to five years of penal labor for consenting to abortion. <laughs> okay. Mm-hmm. In September 1935, so less than two years after Hitler came to power, the Nazis passed anti-miscegenation laws. Basically, the Aryans and Jews can't marry or procreate together. By December of that same year, Heinrich Himmler had already set up the Lebensborn program. Mm -hmm. So we're going to get into the full horrors of the Lebensborn program in a minute. But first, I just want to compare and contrast how, like, the German, when there was still democracy in Germany— how they handled trying to increase the birth rate versus how an authoritarian and fascist regime handles trying to increase the birth rate. Mm-hmm. So Germany's Weimar Republic in the post-World War I years was also concerned about the declining birth rate, and they wanted to encourage citizens to have larger families. So they, quote, attempted to encourage motherhood through a host of social welfare programs. Mm-hmm. These programs included tax benefits, maternity leave benefits, increased health care to combat the high infant mortality rate. Because it is the concern of a state's government to promote, you know, I guess a healthy birth rate, I guess. I guess. I mean, there are issues that will affect the nation if you Mm -hmm. have a wonky birth rate, but also every time you try to... Fuck with it. Fuck with the birth You find out. Yeah, Yeah. things can happen. Every time you try to fuck around, you find out. But, (laughs) hey, if you want to make sure that, like, babies that are born are surviving. Fed and clothed. Yeah, Yeah. fed and clothed. And that your main concern isn't just that they're boys or they're white or they're wealthy. Yeah, if you just want healthy children or even just living Supporting living children, children. Living children. And yeah. making sure that, like, people that have just given birth don't have to go back to work still hemorrhaging blood. Mm-hmm. That's, yeah, that's, that's not just about pregnancy. That's postnatal care. Right. People. That's all fine. Yeah. But a lot of these programs of the Weimar Republic failed because they weren't inclusive enough and they weren't generous enough. So, quote, these programs did not, however, realistically encourage the majority of working women to have more children. Mm -hmm. The incentives given often excluded certain groups of women, Mm -hmm. and working women could not feasibly partake in all aspects of the programs because of working class lifestyles and financial concerns, end quote. So, basically, the government only wanted to encourage middle and upper class families to have more children. They didn't want to actually help poor and working mm-hmm. class families have a better way of life yeah, because they still needed poor and working class women to work 12 hour shifts in the factory because all the young men were dead mm-hmm. and elites looked down their noses at the poor people and they didn't want you gross more poor people being born. Mm-hmm. So they had these like tax benefits and maternity leave things, but only for certain women, only right. for the upper crust. Mm-hmm. Does that fucking sound familiar? Mm-hmm. Like, oh, there's maternity leave, but only for full-time federal employees, and it's only paid this amount of time. Mm-hmm. And, like, white-collar jobs. and Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And all these companies that are getting all this attention on the news right now. Disney. I'm talking about 
Yeah, Disney Amazon. and Amazon, and they're going to pay for their employees to tra- travel for abortion, blah, blah, blah. Uh, no, it's only for full-time employees. Yeah, there's which- going to be plenty of uh, red red tape all over that offer. Yeah. There always fucking yeah. is. That is not yeah. a feel-good story. No, and no. there's like, they're statistically, in the United States, for example, the majority of folks who collect on welfare are like, lower just below middle class white families Mm -hmm. and it's because you know they obviously middle class families of any race deserve and need these services but those parameters for qual for qualifying for it exclude the the most oppressed and the ones who need it the most because they they don't meet any of the income requirements to receive all of those services they might get like wick yeah. Like me very measly wick. Right. That's about it. You're not gonna access great health care through the state or and that's like doesn't matter. That's blue, red, that's how it fucking is. How about children being taken from their biological families not because of any like crimes or neglect or abuse, but just because the family can't afford them. The family mm-hmm. is deemed too poor to afford them. So they're given to foster families and the foster families are given funds to raise yep. the child, but not yep. the birth family. Yep. It's fine. Whatever. Okay. Back to the Nazis. So. <laughs> oh, I thought we were still talking about that. <laughs> I love the heavy handedness so much. This was, you are in your stride right now. (laughs) I am right there. Okay, so quote. for the full Portland on this bad boy. I'm just petting Jelly Beth and just (laughs) waiting for this. I want to go back into my hole. Let it wash (laughs) over you. So, quote, for the fascists, the main role of women was to be mothers of many children, ideally the mothers of many future soldiers. Mm Mm-hmm. Yeah, that that same ideology was repeated. Birth your children to send them off to death. And all we'll of the, get to that too. The eugenics shit in the early 20th century, they 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 looked like I said the Laughlin guy was going around and like saying seeing where people were from and like mm-hmm. their their lineage and whatever. It's like, well, these people have a horrible military. We don't want people from this area. Mm-hmm. Yeah, they, like, they Oh god. It's just about what that child can be in service to to the state. It's advantages mm-hmm. to the state, period. And when it comes to the Christian white ethno-nationalists here in the U.S., it's service to the church mm-hmm. yeah. and state. Mm-hmm. So you've seen a lot of these far-right people being like, well, if we have a higher white Christian birth rate, Evangelical, for evangelical, example. exactly. A, a casual then, oh, example. We'll a, be able to save the Republican Party mm-hmm. from, you know, immigrants, etc. Like, Jesus we'll be able Christ. to like spread the word of evangelical white fucking Jesus. Yeah, it's just a dog whistle for eugenics. Yeah, okay. uh, yeah, thousand percent. Mm-hmm. So, like, barely I said, even a dog whistle. Not right. even it's a the dog, loudest dog whistle of all a time. Dog that will not stop barking, and you have to call <laughs> animal control because right. their neighbors are neglecting it. Right. So, like I said, the 1933 to 1939 time period. So Hitler is in power, but it's not like full blown World War II yet. Mm-hmm. This period, quote, was characterized by the suppression of the birth control movement. 
-hmm. increasing restrictions on grounds for legal abortion, and severe penalization of performers of illegal abortions. Okay. Weird. Weird. Severe, like, death? Uh, Being sent to labor camps, uh, losing medical licenses, being sterilized themselves because they're being deemed criminals. (laughs) Oh, okay. Yeah. Just just a couple. Death penalty. Jesus Christ. And then they kicked things up a notch with Liebensborn. So this this translates to the fount of life. And it was a wide-ranging set of policies underpinning Aryan birthing centers. Ick. First in Germany and then throughout occupied territories. Basically, they were state-run birthing centers for mostly unmarried women who were pre-screened and deemed to be racially pure Mm -hmm. and healthy to give birth to Aryan babies. They were, it's literally Handmaid's Tale. It's literally fucking Handmaid's Tale. Yes. In these centers, and then those babies would be given up for adoption to Aryan German families with the priority being given to high-ranking Nazi party members, of course, who wanted babies. I mean, yeah, that's, I mean... Yes, the Handmaid's Tale covers that, but that's also, like, we did that during slavery here in the U.S., too. Like, it's nuts yeah. the lengths that fucking white supremacy will go to to survive. It is it's kind of important sick. to talk about the Handmaid's Tale in this because, you know, I black know Americans have been going through this for I generations. Know. I know. Like, I'm not I'm not saying that. I know that it's trendy now to to bring up all of the things that are problematic about the Handmaid's Tale, although it was— written in a time and place, and it is a work of fiction. But I do think that as long as you recognize, like we have been, that all of this forced reproduction, forced birth, forced sterilization was happening to people of color on a wider scale and for a longer time period, as Mm -hmm. long as you recognize that, I think you can still draw a lot of lessons from a work of fiction like The Handmaid's Tale. Oh, for sure. I don't think that the majority of what I'm seeing is not even about pointing out the problematic nature of the book because it's like I it's a it's good. Yeah, and I like I'm a fan of that book. Right. I like the show. And as long as I, it helps people recognize, yeah, the it issue. helps people the, understand. The feedback that I'm seeing mostly is from like black and brown people is that it it it's it's harmful to them to draw from a work of fiction to make a point to have to like draw in your fellow what like white yeah. people specifically mm-hmm. and not to be able to garner that reaction and that response from the very real Historical. world events yes. that happened right here in the United States. Right. It's not that the book is bad and there are plenty of you know black and brown creators I've been seeing online who also really like the book and just don't feel like it's an appropriate like it's really not it's like oh it has to happen right. to you and people who look like exactly. you for you to care that's right. exactly the issue and that's it's not yeah. a dystopian novel like oh it has it, happened we'll look at like mm-hmm. the indigenous yeah, yeah, population like, exactly right. and we'll get we'll get to those details but right. that's what we're saying but and i've also ordered parable of the sower which i've seen a lot of people uh recommend which talks it's like a ver- it's like the handmaid's tale but it talks it focuses on like very real harms that were perpetrated against people of color in a dystopian way. Anyway, mm. so I've ordered that. I haven't received it yet. It's on back order. But the reason I say <laughs> it's on back order, it is. I wonder why. Yeah, I love it. Okay, so the reason I say it's like Handmaid's Tale is that it's literally fucking white, pre-screened, 
unmarried healthy, healthy women brought mm-hmm. to a birthing center to give birth to yeah. children that will automatically be adopted by high-ranking officials. Right. <laughs> yeah. It's just that is the, the plot. Handmaid's tale. It's literally. just the plot. <laughs> yeah. It's just the plot. Yeah. Minus, <laughs> there's <laughs> lots of red and white. Maybe <laughs> minus the full-on rape. Mm-hmm. Segment no, of that. No. Doubt it. Maybe. I doubt that's there's I plenty maybe. of rape. There was coercion and whatever. So, okay. In I'm order just to, talking about these birthing centers. Right. Mm-hmm. In order to be like admitted to the birthing center, which a lot of women actually did apply for because it was a way to like have an income and like be taken care of mm-hmm. and not end up deemed antisocial by, you know, living from sex work or like you know, mm. being unmarried or whatever. So women would apply to join the birthing center or the Lebensborn program. Initially, the biological parents' ancestry on both sides, the, the mother and the father, was confirmed going back three generations to mm. ensure that they were pure Aryan. Yep. To ensure they were pure. <laughs> mm-hmm. But later this was eased somewhat and they allowed for babies born to SS officers and their white foreign mistresses. So like when they were in (laughs) occupied France. Wow. Yep. Don't worry, baby. We don't need to use a condom. You can just be sent to this birthing center. Woof. Uh Uh-huh. Literally. Yes. So long as the babies were deemed racially valuable. Ugh. Meaning they looked Aryan enough and didn't have obvious special needs at birth, then they were kept. So if they, yeah, Uh uh-huh. The birthing centers were located on property confiscated from Jews. Mm -hmm. Oh, good. And furnished rather plushly with confiscated furniture from furniture and belongings from Jews. And Himmler himself actually made it like his pet project. It was his special interest. Oh, my God. To design the decor and the furnishings of the center so that people would want to be there. He Uh, had a Pinterest board. He had a Pinterest board for designing the birthing centers with with stolen stolen from murdered Jewish people. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And then when the domestic supply of infants still wasn't enough, Mm -hmm. the Nazis turned to the inevitable next step. Kidnapping blonde babies from occupied territories. Mm-hmm. So this was Liebensborn 2.0. But how could they be sure of their pure lineage? Didn't care. They just looked Aryan enough and they weren't special needs. But they would vet them. And we'll t- I'll tell you what happened to the ones that were kidnapped and then decided again to be impure. Yep. Mm-hmm. yep. So according to Himmler, quote, it is our duty to take the children with us to remove them from their environment. Either we win over any good blood that we can use for ourselves and give it a place in our people, or we destroy this blood, end quote. And the nose. It's very similar to the Native American yep. the boarding school. We'll, we'll, get to, we'll get to that. <laughs> So beginning in 1939, tens of thousands of children from countries like Poland, Yugoslavia, Norway, mm-hmm. basically countries deemed white and blonde enough, mm-hmm. were kidnapped from their biological families and brought to Germany. There they began the process of Germanization in boarding schools, and this was for older children, so kids 
above the age of six. Older they didn't, children. They wouldn't kidnap. They would kidnap up to the age of twelve. Because mm-hmm. nobody wants nobody after wants 12. a teenager. Yeah. Well, they're yeah they're all washed up at that point. And between six and twelve, they would washed go to the boarding up. schools. Because mm-hmm. they were less desirable for adoptions, so they probably weren't going to be adopted, but they were still malleable enough that we can turn them into good German cannon fodder. Mm-hmm. And under six, they were kidnapped and, and pretty much adopted right away. Children who were kidnapped but later deemed unfit through the screening process were not returned to their parents because that would be too tricky. That's not but, kidnapping. Yeah. Follow but through. Instead, sent to labor and concentration camps. So if you were kidnapped and then they were like, you know what, actually. So if you were non-Jewish, Aryan-looking, non-handicapped, blah, 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 Mm -hmm. seemingly in line with your Nazi occupiers, Mm -hmm. they could still kidnap your Aryan-looking child. And then Mm -hmm. if they decide they didn't Mm -hmm. want it, still send them to a concentration camp. Mm -hmm. Yep. Usually force making sure I got all that Right. right. Yeah, forced sure labor, but yeah. This. Uh-huh. Yeah. Yep. Got well, it. Got it, got it, got it, got it, got it. So, and a lot, a lot, especially like Polish children. Mm-hmm. Like Poland was really fucked over mm-hmm. during World War II. A lot of Polish kids it were really kidnapped. Mm-hmm. For Aryan German women or, you know, Aryan women in the occupied territories outside of the Liebensborn program, so those who didn't apply and weren't like sent to the fucking birthing centers – there were still extremely harsh penalties for abortion of, quote unquote, healthy, racially valuable children. Mm-hmm. Quote, special courts in Vichy, France and Nazi Germany were authorized to impose the death penalty for illegal termination of unwanted pregnancies, which is being called for in many states in the U.S. today. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And they carried out their mandate. So people were put to death for accessing an abortion of a of an Aryan child. Of but, course, if it, but if it wasn't Aryan, they didn't give a shit. If it wasn't Aryan, they'd be forced to abort. Mm-hmm. Ah, okay. Got it. Yeah. So, of course, during these crackdowns, illegal abortions actually increased abruptly from pre-war rates because they also couldn't access contraception. And all of these abortions were now illegal. So illegal abortion went up like crazy because every mm-hmm. time you ban it, you just create more illegal abortions. Right. The only government-sanctioned abortions were of children born to parents deemed to be racially inferior, so those were allowed, Mm -hmm. or deemed to have some other disqualifying trait, including what was then termed feeble-mindedness. Yeah, Mm -hmm. that was a that was a quote floating around in my research too. Yeah, Mm -hmm. and sexual perversion. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. So after the war, during the Nuremberg trials, Nazi apologists pointed to American politicians' endorsement of forced sterilization as a justification for their own crimes. They literally are like, well, they were doing this in the U.S. for decades. Mm -hmm. So we're not any different from you guys putting us on trial. So there are quotes from Hitler, from Hitler's speeches about like, well, we didn't start this. They're already doing this in America. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Like Mm -hmm. multiple occasions. Mm -hmm. Yep. We are awful. The Nazi defense lawyers at Nuremberg really relied on that fact. Yeah. That the U.S. was also monstrous. It was a precedence. Yeah. Mm -hmm. So hundreds of thousands of people throughout Europe were forcibly sterilized for crimes such as failing a math or grammar test. I'm out. Bye. 
Like literally <laughs> they would be, they would stand in front of like a tribunal. In an, in, you have to do math in front of an audience? Uh-huh. I would be out in me. I don't think I can make it on stage. And just no. asked SAT questions, essentially. No. And if they took too long to answer or they answered incorrectly or whatever or were nervous, sent for sterilization. What were those oh. this is to this as this is to that? Analogies. Oh, those mm-hmm. never made sense to me. Mm-hmm. Not not even once. Also, it's a very Amanda agrarian society. A lot of people like didn't go to school <laughs> past like sixth grade. Right. So how it's are they? It's not their expect- fucking fault that they don't well, know and- grammar. Yeah. Well, right. There's there's so much about academia that's just like not culturally applicable, depending on like what street you grew up on, what industry your family works in, like all this shit, like what fucking Yeah. Who are you to just say are, this is yeah, a smart person or exactly. not? These kids are like yeah. helping their families survive a long On the like, farm or yeah, in the bakery winter, or and then you don't know like analogies and yeah. like, advanced calculus. So we're gonna give you a force vasectomy or yeah. which is tire far tubes. less useful than like how to grow corn. Yeah. It's ridiculous. Especially yes. in a post war or during war, like yep. well, it's also capitalism. We don't value the lower class, but we need them to survive. Right. <sighs> Great. Right. So failing a math or grammar test, having a criminal record, or having a family member with a criminal record. I'm out. Two for two. Being oh, mentally so ill. Out. Three for three. Or being <laughs> seen as being at risk of becoming mentally ill. Four for four. So they're... <laughs> there is an example of a German woman who the state targeted for sterilization because her grandfather had died by suicide. Oh, yeah, it's, for it's, fuck's it's eugenics. Sake. Like they yeah. don't want that. Yes, they don't want a history of mental illness in your bloodline. Yes. Which also found out my paternal grandfather died by suicide. So mm. I would, I just wouldn't have lasted long. No, mm-hmm. no, no, no. Would have been like, have you seen the eyes though? Have I you was seen just them? gonna say, yeah, but, <laughs> yeah, but my eyes. <laughs> it's. The boosinator, I mean. <laughs> Being categorized as asocial, so that's what a lot of, like, Roma and Sinta people were categorized mm. as and murdered. Gay um, people. Or forced sterilized gay people, political opponents, pacifists. Mm-hmm. <laughs> oh, my God. Yep, the so, list like, goes on. Most people. I'd yeah. be so out. Oh, yeah. So, bottom line, like we've said, control of reproductive rights and eugenics are two sides of the same coin. Mm-hmm. They're the same thing. So those were the sticks. If you're thinking about like a carrot, like policy being made up of carrots and sticks, mm-hmm. but the pro-force birth policies also included carrots. So the Nazis implemented rewards for German mothers who birthed and raised four or more deemed fit children for the fatherland. Wow! They were literally given a medal. Jesus Christ. And I mean, a, I love a good party, but relax. a picture of this on the drive. It is called the Cross of Honor of the German Mother. Ugh. Oh, your eat more candy. pictures are horrible. Ew, it's ugly, too. Well, yeah, it's fascist. Oh, Ugh. no. Did they have to all be boys? No. They, no. They just had to be white and not special needs and Aryan looking enough. Yeah. Ugh. Jesus Christ. I'll go barfo to that metal. (laughs) Hot take. I'll go barfo. Hot take. We don't like this Nazi metal. 
Do not. <laughs> Zero out of ten. It's ugly. Hated it. Ugo <laughs> barfo. Yeah. Ugo bar. I give this medal ten ugo barfos. <laughs> Oh my God. Jesus. Similarly, <laughs> in- someone has to laugh or I'll just die. <laughs> I mean, now I'm laughing. <laughs> 10 out of 10. I'll go far So, similarly, in Mussolini's Italy, quote, women's reproductive autonomy was a central concern for the Italian fascist regime. Women's fertility became a public good that belonged to the state. explains Professor Diana Garvin of the University of Oregon. Here we are. Welcome to the U.S. in 2022. Mm -hmm. Mussolini's regime implemented a set of laws known as the Rocco Code, which restricted access to birth control, even knowledge of birth control methods, so even like talking about birth control, which mainly, quote, targeted midwives as they were the primary source of information about contraception and options for getting an abortion. It's they th- we're going to get to all of this like mm-hmm. they are playing from the chattel slavery and civil war in America playbook. Like yep. this is all it's nuts. So one well, thing. that playbook has existed for millennia. Well, I know. But like this is these are specific like propaganda campaigns that Targeting were in the United States. Mm-hmm. Yeah. That long before this that and they've already like the Nazis have already said. Yeah. That they've been borrowing our tactics, like, yeah, this is all, it's all, it all just fucking repeats. It's all the same. The fascist state also implemented, quote, incentives for reproducing more often with financial rewards given to women who birthed six or more children. Oh, the tearing. literal parades were put on to honor such Italian mothers. Wow. They had to march in parades. My God. So that's that's actually a horrible punishment. Yeah. Most of us know how fucked up Germany and the other Axis powers were during World War II, but how about an even more recent example from the other side of the political spectrum, still in Europe, still authoritarian? Mm -hmm. I think I've talked about Nikolai, uh, I can never say his name, Ceausescu? 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 Maybe. Ceausescu. Nikolai. We're going to say Nikolai. Okay. The communist dictator of Romania. I've talked about him before on the show because he's an absolute doozy, but uh, this is just the quick and dirty about his abortion policies. So for context, he's, he's the communist dictator of Romania. Before 1967, the Romanian abortion policy was one of the most liberal in Europe. Because the availability of contraceptive methods was poor, abortion became the foremost method of Romanian family planning, end quote. So abortion was very common. They didn't have a lot of access to birth control. It's a very poor country. Mm-hmm. It was it was legal and common, and it was used as a form of birth control because that's all they had. Mm-hmm. Yeah, which is what I referenced in my segment, but we have ostensibly a whole gamut of other resources right. for co- contraceptives. Mm-hmm. But Romania's birth rate reached the lowest level on record in 1966, and the dictator was obsessed with increasing the future communist workforce— So you know where this is going. I do. Mm -hmm. I really do. In October of that year, Nikolai published Decree 770, which outlawed both abortion and contraception for all women under the age of 45. 45? Mm Mm-hmm. Later, it was lowered to 40. Then it was brought back to 45. 
And they carved out some exemptions for women who had already done their duty to the motherland by birthing five or more children. Oh, okay. Thank you for the... uh, Yep. Five. For for that recognition. That's great. So the state's grip on women's reproduction was near absolute because it's also a communist dictatorship. So... These policies foreshadow some of our modern day concerns about digital privacy and like digital Mm. tracking and how everything about our like private health concerns is kind of it's much more public now than it ever has been before. And vulnerable. And vulnerable unless you're like extremely careful. It's Mm. technically all on the dark web. So if you're Mm. able to access the dark web, it's not a far reach. Everything can be tracked now. Like we buy everything with credit cards or online. Mm -hmm. They can know when you're buying tampons, when you're not buying tampons, when you're buying a pregnancy test, when you're not, blah, blah, blah. Like all this shit, right? Well, Mm -hmm. there was some app. Oh, God, I forgot what it was. This was several years ago. Like this was a while ago. But – uh. This, like, teenage girl, like, mm-hmm. her family discovered that she was pregnant out of... Oh, because of well, targeted ads or something? Because of, of ads Target. from Target. Yeah. Like, her dad went and used, like, one of the same cards yeah, or same account. the coupons And or the whatever. coupon. And, like, several oh, yeah. coupons were, like, you know, pregnancy prenatal tests and prenatal, blah, mm-hmm. blah, 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 blah. And he was, like, adding things up. He's like, are you fucking pregnant? And that's how they found out that their daughter mm-hmm. was pregnant. Yep. Mm-hmm. Yep. Yep. And so, so that's anyway. just accidental. Think think if yeah. it was used intentionally and like with malice. Trying mm-hmm. to figure out or part of a prosecution. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah. Trying to find evidence. It's all there. So that's modern day. But the way it happened back then in the 60s in Romania, quote, there was workplace pregnancy testing to ensure women didn't arrange abortions for themselves. Jesus Christ. Workplace pregnancy tests. It's like drug testing. Yes. Of course, women still got abortions, and they actually had the highest number of deaths from illegal abortions in all of Europe. Mm-hmm. Decree 770, quote, gifted Romania the highest maternal mortality rates in Europe. And I think that excludes people who died from illegal abortions. I think that just includes, like, women who were giving birth. Mm-hmm. And a generation of emotionally afflicted, malnourished orphans raised in miserable conditions, end quote. And I do mean miserable conditions. Mm-hmm. So Romanian orphanages, severely overwhelmed and underfunded, could not cope with the influx of so-called orphans, most of whom their parents were still alive, but they couldn't afford to keep them and they couldn't. Mm-hmm. To get rid of the pregnancy, and so they just had to give up these children to orphanages. They became notorious for overcrowded, unsanitary conditions. Can you imagine the heartbreak as mm. a parent? No. It, I mean, even if this was an unwanted pregnancy, let's just say, mm. you still carry just the state. baby, you give mm. birth, then you have to give that baby up. You have... Uh, whatever and then and you then have it's an emotional and then it's, connection i mean yeah i'm not going to presume that but yeah you might you might one might regardless it this and is, then it, and then it, it's and then you know that it's in these conditions this is just trauma of an like it's yeah, unnameable massive, it's an a massive unnameable degree. evil this is mm-hmm. so fucked up so 
I mean, tons of studies have been done about Romanian orphanages. It's its own horror. It's mm. its own like subgenre of horror. But in these orphanages, babies learned quickly that no one would respond to their crying because they were so mm. understaffed. Mm-hmm. So they just fell silent. They just mm-hmm. stopped crying. They stopped crying because they weren't ever going to be responded to. Mm-hmm. Oh my God. So they were just silent. Mm-hmm. Rooms full of babies. That's horrific. According to one witness, quote, they lay under once white blankets in little glass boxes like museum exhibits behind glass. The room was as quiet as a provincial museum. At the time, having little experience of babies, I did not realize that the lack of crying was a sign of emotional deprivation, end quote. Abuse was rampant. Children in the orphanages were physically restrained and tied to beds. They were forced to, like, sit in their own urine and feces for hours, days at a time because they just were understaffed. They weren't able to change them all. Mm -hmm. Many died of commonplace and treatable illnesses, just like the flu or Mm, anemia or Mm. whatever. Many starved to death. Mm -hmm. Like they were just neglected. They didn't, there weren't enough people working to care for all these, just rooms, which is beds and every bed, multiple kids. Mm -hmm. They had severe developmental and cognitive impairments from lack of social emotional support or like any contact. So like most Mm -hmm. like never learned to speak, Mm -hmm. you know, or like very, very limited verbal skills and cognition. Like just it's, it's basement boy stuff. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. It's estimated that 500,000 children were raised in these conditions in Romania because of these policies, all of which was fucking preventable. Mm -hmm. Most never recovered from the treatment they received in these state-run institutions. It's something that Romania is still dealing with today. And this figure doesn't even include the children who weren't, like, formally given up for adoption because nobody was fucking adopting because everybody was poor, but, Mm -hmm. like, given up to these orphanages. Lots of children, like, stayed with their families for a while, and the families, like, couldn't afford to keep them or were shuffled into like even worse poverty and then these children ended up on the street Mm -hmm. all of which was preventable and we know that because literally quote in the first year after abortion was legalized again in romania the maternal death rate fell by 50 Mm percent and like literally all these problems just started to resolve Mm -hmm. it's fucking horrific Mm mm-hmm and there's so much more to be said, but like that's that's my fucking segment. It's like this is we've we've seen this all before in a lot of places. Mm-hmm. And if you think that it this is not what's happening here, or you think that it can't happen here, like you're it fucking naive. Has. It has ha- it happened. It just didn't happen to white people here, but it has Yet. happened and has been happening here for a long fucking time. And now it's and just happening. It's not. To it's more just getting people. worse. Yeah, it's just getting worse. So, like, the time to fight against this was a long fucking time ago, but it's never too late to start. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So we need to fucking get started. Yep. You okay, La? No. <laughs> <laughs> I don't think any of us are okay. I know. So, yeah. <sighs> so that's my that's my segment. Cool. Good uh, job. <laughs> another quick sponsor break? Yeah. yeah. Cool. <laughs> 
I don't know about you, but for some reason, summer just happens and all of a sudden I have like no time to clean mm-hmm. or like do anything to get my house in order. Mm-hmm. But every now and then I got that free weekend and I just declutter and clean and it feels so good. Like yeah. cleaning my house is my mental health. Mm-hmm. There's just something rejuvenating about getting down to what's essential and starting fresh. And the same thing goes with your noggin. Mm-hmm. Over the years, thoughts and emotions can build up and they do build up. And that's why it is so important to talk to somebody who is trained to help you declutter your mental space. Mm-hmm. Even when decluttering is your mental space. Right. Talkspace therapists are available to message anytime you need because you shouldn't have to watch your thoughts pile up until your next appointment rolls around, until you got a free weekend, you know what I mean? Yeah, honestly, it's, it is it is as essential to your life and your health as, like, maintaining a livable home. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Feeding yourself. <laughs> yeah, and I know that, and this is true for a lot of people, um, my physical space that I occupy very much reflects my mental space Uh and my mental health Mm -hmm. as I look around at my office that I'm trying so hard to clean. You got this. And especially if you can close a door on that room that's a mess, it's gonna be it's gonna be doomsday back there. So talk space is still exists. It still exists. It's just I don't have to look at it, Mm -hmm. push it down Mm -hmm. until the door is forcibly opened by the pile that is stacking up behind the door. (laughs) Like, this is very real. (laughs) And this is totally what happens in your brain if you do not deal with the things that are potentially causing you anxiety, causing you harm. It's just really, really important. So taking the first step toward getting help can be really, really, really scary. But no matter where you are in your mental health journey, talking to a therapist who's trained to help makes a huge difference. Talkspace takes some of the pressure off of that first step. It's more flexible, it's more convenient, and it's more affordable. This is such a great way to get high-quality care. And once you match with one of their licensed therapists, you can message them anytime through the app. So I get a lot of nighttime anxiety. Yeah. And I do a lot of just-before-bed or middle-of-the-night texting to my therapist. (laughs) And then she checks in for her, you know, office hours the next day, and she responds to my concerns or my totally invalid freakouts. Um, but you can also schedule a live session if you need some FaceTime. I have done that as well. It just helps me feel a little bit more connected to my therapist. Like she actually knows who I am and I know who she is. It's amazing. You get 24-7 text, audio, and video messaging. Talkspace lets you talk to a licensed therapist without needing an appointment, which is honestly life-saving because trying to get an in-person appointment can take a really long time and sometimes you need help kind of right now. Mm -hmm. And maybe that's a source of anxiety. Yep, exactly. And really anything that you're going through, Talkspace can meet your needs. They have thousands of therapists across dozens of specialties. Once you match with your therapist, you can message with them anytime from anywhere. If thoughts and emotions are piling up, a fresh perspective can help you feel better. Match with your dedicated therapist today at Talkspace.com and use promo code GALS, G-A-L-S, during sign-up to get $100 off your first month. That's $100 off at Talkspace.com, promo code GALS, and treat your brain. Treat it. So when it comes to weddings, there are moments that you'll always remember, moments that like are iconic that you know you want included, like walking down the aisle, Mm -hmm. cutting the cake. 
Mm-hmm. You know, there's a million little moments that really stick with you, and those are the things that you want to remember the most. For me, as a wedding officiant, my, some of my favorite moments are like the just me and the couple signing the marriage license. It's just kind of like intimate and sweet. And it's such like a wonderful moment of connection with these, you know, new little families that are blooming right before your eyes. It's so special. I love the first look. Yes. Oh, Oh. I love that part, too. Mm -hmm. But in all of the little moments leading up to or happening on your wedding day, here is the most important thing to remember. Zola. Yes. Yeah. So why Zola? Whatever kind of wedding you're planning, Zola.com is the one place to start. They have got your back for all of your wedding needs. Sure do. That's why over a million couples have planned their weddings with Zola. That's a lot of people. Yeah. So, if you're looking for a wedding venue, Zola can give you personalized recommendations. If you want an incredible gift registry, you will find everything you need from classic cookware to just... Straight up cash funds. Mm-hmm. Zola can even help you create stunning save the dates, invitations, and a matching wedding website. Everything is so cohesive. They have the cutest designs. Yeah. They're like modern, very like millennial appropriate, but also if you want to go more classic, traditional, kind of lacy, kind of cursive, they got mm-hmm. everything. Mm-hmm. And weddings. I'm, let's face it, they can be extraordinarily expensive, but planning with Zola never is. All of their planning tools are completely free to use, like Love. a free wedding website that is home to your gift registry, which, by the way, comes with free shipping and returns. Yeah, that's the best. Yes, and that's it's also risk-free. You get per- free personalized samples of your invitations so you can try them out before you buy, and they also mm-hmm. offer free envelopes and guest addressing. Yeah. So whatever your style or budget, Zola has you covered so you can think less about the several spreadsheets and Pinterest boards (laughs) worth of things that you still need to do. Yeah. And more about those sweet little moments, your first look, your signing of your ketubah, Mm -hmm. those those things you'll always remember. Absolutely. So if you're planning your wedding, here is our tip. Start with Zola. Go to Zola.com slash gals today and use promo code SAVE50, S-A-V-E-5-0, for 50% off your save the dates. Zola is the one place to start for your wedding day. That's Zola.com slash gals, code SAVE50, and treat your nuptials. Trade on. Okay, so, I mean, we've already been down this path, but I wanted to just start my segment with a massive trigger warning, specifically for our listeners of color, because we're going to be talking about forced birth in the slavery area era of the United States, and it's super fair for you to protect your wellness and turn this off if... You do not want to hear this. But conversely, for our white listeners, I do encourage you to continue listening. And there's just a whole hell of a lot that we were intentionally not taught Mm -hmm. in American history. And I personally learned a fuck ton from this research. And as we discussed earlier, like, I'm also a big Handmaid's Tale fan. And I really needed this information to, like, sit with the fact that black, brown, indigenous, people of color, disabled people, impoverished people have endured these atrocities of like forced birth and forced sterilization here in the United States since its founding. And yeah. before, yeah. And yep. before, like by colonial, like, you know, mm-hmm. I'm I'm putting this more in the perspective of colonialism yeah. in the United States. And it's really fucking barbaric. Yeah. So this is a quote from the ACLU. Quote, it is worth reflecting on the racist origins of the anti-abortion movement 
in the United States, which date back to the ideologies of slavery. Just like slavery, anti-abortion efforts are rooted in white supremacy, the exploitation of black women, and placing women's bodies in service to men. Just like slavery, maximizing wealth and consolidating power motivated the anti-abortion enterprise. Then, just as now, anti-abortion efforts have nothing to do with saving women's lives or protecting the interests of children. Today, a person is 14 times more likely to die by carrying a pregnancy to term than by having an abortion. And medical evidence has shown for decades that an abortion is as safe as a penicillin shot. And yet abortion remains heavily restricted in states across the country. And now that's a quote from before the before times Roe v. Wade was overturned. (laughs) So like this is just how it has been for the last 50 years with Roe v. Wade and law. Like we're kind of what we're going to cover today is kind of like a how how we got here Mm -hmm. in the U.S. Would we have to call it B.O. like before overturning? Before <laughs> overturning. Nah. I, t- I don't like that one. acronym. So don't love acronym. it. As someone who often has B.O., <laughs> I feel fi- I'll get confused. Yeah. No, I don't feel targeted. I just know I'm going to get real mixed up. In the B.O. times. Yeah, she's like, like, oh, I'm girl, sorry. I get it. It's my bad. <laughs> so... This connects closely with the historical practice of midwifery. So before the Civil War, I think it's midwifery. midwifery. I think it, yeah, midwifery. It's a horrible word. It's the I only re- midwifery. I so do that's just what I'm going to do. But it is it's midwifery. midwifery. I'm I sorry. believe you, but I don't like it. It's so disgusting. <laughs> so before the Civil War, midwives were basically the only birth workers and birthing experts. Like that's it. And this was also a racially intersectional space consisting primarily of black women, but also indigenous women and white women who were incredibly skilled in this work. So midwifery. Get a whiff. Get a whiff. It wasn't only for birthing. Midwives provided reproductive health care, including contraceptives and abortions. But when the Civil War ended and slavery was overturned, white men took up the mantle of reproductive care the way they saw fit. Yeah, suddenly it was like, oh, well, now white we can doc- have like educated, quote unquote, we'll doctors. And more people <laughs> fucking died when they got involved because they we'll get to didn't it. believe in germ theory. It's fine. <laughs> so, quote, <laughs> skilled it's black fine. midwives represented both real competition for white men who sought to enter the practice of child delivery and a threat to how obstetricians viewed themselves. So the, the fragile male ego. Mm-hmm. Male gynecologists claimed midwifery was a degrading means of obstri- uh, obstetrical care. I'm fine. I've had degrading. a little bit of this vodka. Yeah. Well, if black women can do it, how hard yep. can it be? Precisely. That's their that's the ideology. <laughs> oh, OK. They viewed themselves as elite members. This is the, the the white doctors viewed themselves as elite members of a trained profession with tools such as forceps. We'll get to it. You don't have to chime oh in. My yet. God. And other technologies <laughs> and the modern convenience. Good of hospitals. Yep. Listen, I got you. <laughs> And the modern convenience of hospitals, which excluded black and indigenous women from practice within their institutions, end quote. It's also now recognized that the foundation of modern gynecology and the development of those modern techniques and tools were through the horrific and deadly experimentation on enslaved black women who would be surgically opened and studied without any anesthesia. Yep. 
Many did not survive these experiments and died by the thousands. Because there were racist ideas that black people couldn't, couldn't feel, feel pain. pain. And that ideation still exists prominently in medicine today. Mm-hmm. So before we distance ourselves from this era with the passing of time, allow me to use the Grandma Helen unit of measurement. <laughs> it's always a scary unit. It's yep. always terrifying. A woman that I knew into my 30s. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so this famous speech entitled Progress Toward Ideal Obstetrics, written by Dr. Joseph DeLee, was given in 1915, only two years before Helen was born. <laughs> the entire speech is propaganda against midwifery, and I'm just, it's long, so I'm not going to read it all. I'm just going to read one little excerpt. It's long um, and full of bullshit. Exactly. Mm-hmm. Quote, the midwife is a relic of barbarism. Oh. In civilized countries, the midwife is wrong, has always been wrong. The midwife has been a drag on the progress of the science and art of obstetrics. Her existence stunts the one and degrades the other. For many centuries, she perverted obstetrics from obtaining any standing at all among the science of medicine. Yeah, it's her fault that men didn't want to take it up because it Mm -hmm. was a gross women's work. Mm -hmm. (laughs) (gasps) Okay. (laughs) Even after midwifery was practiced by some of the most brilliant men in the profession, such practice was held opprobrious and degraded. Opprobrious. That's a good word. I'm Googling Mm -hmm. it. Uh Uh-huh. Like opprobrium. Mm-hmm. So campaigns like these also opened the doors to a multitude of additional racist laws, not just limited to like outlawing abortions and outlawing midwives. Quote, indeed, the racist campaigns launched by doctors against black midwives extended to anti-immigration legislative platforms targeted at Chinese and Japanese workers. The Page Act, which restricted Chinese women from entering the United States, is a part of this shameful legacy. This broader 20th century anti-Chinese campaign became known as, quote, yellow peril, end quote. DeLee and Horatio Storer urged white women to, quote, spread their loins across the nation. Uh, A dog whistle about the threat of too many blacks and Asians in the United States. Yeah. Great replacement theory. It was Mm -hmm. around 100 years ago. It's around now on Tucker Carlson. Yeah, it was around yesterday. Mm -hmm. Jesus Christ. Price, that's so fucking gross. So American hospitals also banned the admission of black people after the Civil War, not just as doctors, nurses, and employees, but also as patients. Oh. And this, like, carried on into basically Jim Crow. Mm-hmm. And in subtle ways, carries on now. So this ban and the near elimination of the practice of midwifery, which was a field pri- primarily dominated by black women, still affects us today. So, quote, in the U.S., the CDC reported that black women experienced maternal mortality two to three times higher than that of white women. The estimated national maternal mortality rate in the United States is about 17 per 100,000 live births where the mother passes. But it is about 43 per 100,000 live births for black women. Jesus Christ. That is horrific. That is and what deplorable. What Lu- Louisiana male Republican senator. Oh, we'll get to Louisiana. <laughs> <laughs> he recently said, like, like a few, like two months ago, maybe, he said something about, like, maternal mortality is really high in Louisiana. Yep. But, but if you don't count black mothers, then it's not so bad. Yep. He said that in a speech. Got yep. it. Cool. Mm-hmm. 
Good to know so where he if stands. if you disregard the most affected by these statistics. Right. Then the statistics. Because like, in his brain, mm-hmm. black women don't count because this is about exactly. white women birthing white babies. Yeah. Because yep. black women. And it, black women it, it are an anomaly. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And expendable. Mm-hmm. Yep. Mm-hmm. So medical racism remains in the United States. And though we can't get into that right now, obviously, I encourage anyone listening to read Medical Apartheid, The Dark History of Medical Experimentation on Black Americans from Colonial Times to the Present by Harriet A. Washington. It is an unbelievable book and very fucking eye opening. So legislation was passed nationwide that kept women and people of color like women at all does not matter, period, full stop as well as people of color of any gender on the spectrum, out of the field of healthcare, specifically reproductive health, and also to ban midwifery and abortion. So some may argue that banning abortion would benefit people of color because it would lead to an expansion of their population. That is an actual argument I have seen. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. But this is false. As of 2020, the U.S. led the developed world in maternal and infant mortality rates, which, as we know from the stat I shared previously, disproportionately affects people of color. For many, safe access to abortion is the only way to preserve the life of the parent and allow them to have more children in the future. Mm -hmm. It is also worth noting that the states of Texas and Louisiana are considered the deadliest in the developed world for folks to give birth in. And the populations of these states are home to about 60% of people of color in Texas and over 40% people of color in Louisiana. That just Mm -hmm. does not seem like a coincidence. (laughs) It's not. It's not. Yeah. No, I'm saying. Yeah. You can't convince convince me it's a coincidence. Mm -hmm. Yep. And when abortion is illegal, rates increase more significantly Mm-hmm. of death from illegal abortions amongst mm-hmm. people of color than amongst white people. Yeah. They're yep. even more Because at white risk. people are, they can access able safer to abortion. travel mm-hmm. or yep. whatever they need to do. Yeah, you can go to Find another state, you'll, ha- you'll have access to resources. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. It's also incredibly important to recognize the complexities of racism as they apply differently to different communities, which sounds like a duh, but like, The way anti-black racism commodifies black bodies, which began in the U.S. with like chattel slavery, meant forced birth with the intention of creating more black children who could then be taken from their families and sold. Mm. And black girls born into chattel slavery would be raped, forced to reproduce as soon as they started menstruation. Yep. And there were extreme measures taken within the enslaved African community to try to protect each other, even if that meant birth workers in the community performing abortions or trying to electively, with consent, sterilize so mm-hmm. that they're not continuing to get pregnant. But then or even- you would also be killed because if you can no longer produce and you can't like carry your weight as a laborer, then you can your be life is over sold too. Sold to a worse condition or, or killed. killed. Also, it was you access to enslaved women for sex was used as a, a carrot for mm-hmm. enslaved black men to like oh, yeah. behave and be rewarded. And it's very telling that like access to sex with men was not a carrot for enslaved black women. Mm-hmm. And so it, it yeah, just the the forced rape mm-hmm. and forced birth was just an absolute part of 
chattel slavery. It was underpinning. Yeah, it was the beginning to end. It's a capitalist system of enslavement that required supply to meet demand. Yep. And these were the means through which they maintained that fucking supply. Yep. So this has been happening in this country before. And and it is fucking disgusting. And so now we can draw parallels to like forced birth back to forced pregnancy, back into forced Mm. sex in the first place. Mm -hmm. Like all of this is forced. Right. And all of it's by the state and and some of it's just allowed by the state. Mm -hmm. It's, it's, I mean, I don't want to be, I don't want to say this too dramatically, but it's rape all the way through. It's a violation of your autonomy all the way through. Absolutely. Mm -hmm. The trauma of forced birth and the trauma of forced sex, i.e. rape, and I don't know. I don't know. They, I can't say they're the same, but they are both trauma. It's not mm-hmm. just birth. The, then, then what's next after birth? It's forced motherhood. It's forced parenthood. Yeah, it's and forced. I mean, this this trauma is passed down through. I mean, this this is trauma that is still felt by descendants of slavery in America today. Yeah. And not to mention like, generational trauma. It, forced, it exists in your cells. Not it's to mention there. rape of enslaved people by their enslavers, yep. and then those children born of those the unions are children enslaved. If it, or if they were light-skinned enough, they could be you know, passed free. as white and raised by mm-hmm. the master and his wife so as ex- their own child. Yeah, basically forced privilege. adoption. Yep, just taken. Taken. Kidnapping. Kidnapping then, white enough babies. We've talked right. about that. It's, yeah, it's the same shit as it was in your segment. Yeah, basically, <laughs> if a slave, if a, the slave master would have would rape an enslaved woman on on the property and she got pregnant, including Thomas baby, fucking Jefferson. Jeff, yeah, if she came out, if that child came out too dark, that child was then part of the, the enslavement. Enslaved. Yeah, if that child came out light skinned enough to pass as white, white that enough. child was was their family now. <laughs> Sometimes that was their son or daughter. Yes, but the majority yeah. of the time, that's how it went. As long as it looked white enough. If they wanted, mm-hmm. it depends. But it depends. Like if the wife enslaver, the, you know, the white woman on the plantation didn't right, want. Right, refuse yeah, to raise the child. Exactly. Right, I get it. But just predominantly, right. that's typically how. It's all the very t- Yeah. But anti-indigenous racism, on the other hand, is rooted in genocide with the erasure of indigenous people in the United States, forced assimilation through boarding schools, which we know were also essentially death camps for indigenous children. Because their labor couldn't be used to the same extent as Mm -hmm. in the capitalist system as enslaved black labor. Mm -hmm. Forced sterilization of indigenous people. Like these complexities are... These are complexities that are at play in the experiences of oppressed communities that, like, we could never possibly understand. But we need to also learn and acknowledge them so that we aren't dismantling white supremacy with, like, a super broad and generalized brush. Because, like, one thing that I noticed that I've noticed in myself, for example, like, we love to brag about our veteran grandparents who fought against Nazis in World War II. My grandfather did, and I'm very proud of that. Mm -hmm. And we know that. World War II, our, like our response to World War II was because of this horrific genocide against the Jewish population. And anti-Semitism is still so prolific today. And growing. And growing. And then we also, at the same time, ignore our own legacies of genocide against like indigenous communities in the United States. So if you're one of the folks out there who, you know, these Republicans, primarily like white Greatest Republican men. Greatest country on earth. 
Yeah, talk about, you know, we stormed the beaches. Exactly. The great generation. Right. As we're as we're fucking, you know, still discovering the bodies of indigenous babies. And it's just like the 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 level of disconnect. And it's it's, you know, a chosen apathy that we have to be able to conduct ourselves that way is really fucked up. Mm -hmm. And so you just you can't glorify the fight against one genocide and ignore the other. And you can't ignore the differences between the experiences, for example, of black, indigenous, Asian, Jewish Americans and apply the same approach to all of these complex intersectionalities. Mm -hmm. Like it's just it goes so much deeper than that. Mm -hmm. And how we approach how we approach as white women, this movement, like how we show up how we have to be so mindful not to derail progress. Mm-hmm. Like it's, I think a lot of this, as we've discussed throughout this episode is hitting us really hard because it's many of our first taste of like the losing a, of true a oppression. Right. Yeah. Losing right. a human right. It's the, exactly. Yeah. We, yeah. we on a personal ex- level. Yeah, exactly. Uh, well, uh, on a, yeah. Uh, in ways that people who don't look like us have been experiencing mm-hmm. through the, the, cent- the centuries of, of uh, the existence of America. Mm-hmm. So I just want to take this last moment to just remind everyone that like, no one is telling you not to have your feelings. You need to be fucking angry. Mm-hmm. And you also need to be aware that the path forward is to follow and support the experts. Like yes. there are people who have been protecting and caring for themselves and each other long before Roe v. Wade, who are still alive and in this work now And it's like a long fucking road ahead. And we can only win if we follow and elect and support those who have walked this road and have been walking this road Mm -hmm. historically for a long fucking time. Don't reinvent the wheel. Research Mm -hmm. and invest in people who have been doing this work. Yeah. Because we have resources and they're so valuable. Mm -hmm. And like your time and your energy and your dollar will go farther if you invest in what already exists and already works than if you try to be the center mm-hmm. of attention mm-hmm. and create mm-hmm. it from scratch. Yeah. Yep. And that's true for fucking all nonprofits. Unless it's you- true for all activism of yeah. every kind. Right. Well, and I would say it's especially true for white women who are having mm-hmm. who are in our fields right now. Like and yeah, I'm one I'm one of them. We all are. Yeah. <laughs> A thousand percent. And that's all, like we should have our fields. Yeah. And we just can't harm people while we're having them. a lot That's of a saying. lot of the work that needs to be done is the unglamorous work and you need to be willing to do that otherwise mm-hmm. you're not actually helping, helping. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and i've been fucking guilty of that before too i've been like well what if i can do uh you know, fundraising. Well, fundraising is totally. always needed, but like, well, fundraising on social media of an or yeah. whatever. It's like, well, no, actually, what we really need is for you to like sweep this common room and set up the chairs so we can have our meeting, <laughs> right? With the people who, who know what the fuck they're doing. Just yeah, get, just get down <laughs> exactly. to basics. And also, like, can you donate money? But that money can go towards like printer ink and right. uh, keeping the lights on. Whatever's yep. needed. Yeah. Anyway, this was a really rough episode, and it was a really rough time to do this episode. And thank you for being with us. And I hope that our shit got through. And even if we're preaching to the choir right now, donate to abortion funds. And pro life isn't real; it's just pro force birth because pro choice also includes people who don't want and won't ever have an abortion. And so, Mm -hmm. and we do have a great. We do have a great list of uh, funds that we advocate for very highly on the resources tab of our website. 
um, as well as lots of services to help you access mental health care right now because you still have to take care of yourselves and each other so that we can show up and keep doing this shit. And also, if you live, also just be careful what you say. Yeah. Because it could be used against you, including with mental health care if you use, you know, digital. uh, Uh, Yeah. Delete your fertility apps. Delete your fertility apps. Just be careful with what you say. It fucking sucks that we have to say that right now. But until we change it, that is where we're at. It's a new era. Anyway, thank you for our special fan pickers, Clarence Thomas, Samuel Alito. Ew, we don't need to say their names again. Gross. Brett and Amy, fuck you. All of you. Fuck you. Thank you for listening. We'll see you fucking next week. Donate money to your local organizations. (laughs) Yes. I don't even need to say what I was going to say. Yes, fuck them. Yes. (laughs) Bye-bye. We love you. Bye-bye. Bye. Thanks for listening to Wine and Crime. Our cover art is by Kala Yip. Music by Phil Young and Corey Wendell. Editing by Jonathan Camp. Check out our website and blog at wineandcrimepodcast.com. You can also follow us on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram at wineandcrimepod. If you have questions, answers, or recommendations to share, email us at wineandcrimepodcast at gmail.com. Episodes are available on Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, Google Play, basically wherever you get your favorite podcasts. And if you like the show, please rate, review, and subscribe on Apple Podcasts. It is the best way to spread the word. If you'd like to show your support, visit our Patreon page to keep this podcast and the wine flowing. Cheers. Oh, hey there. You like true crime stories, right? Yeah, yeah, I know. Who doesn't? But I gotta admit, after a while, all those stories of murder and heartache, well, they tend to go straight to my hips. So that's why I, Leroy Luna, have created a podcast called Excuse Me, That's Illegal, where we'll take a hardcore look at some softcore crimes. No TED Talks on Bundy here. The letters BTK won't be coming from these lips. Unless he had a brother that used to steal library books. Suppose I'd be willing to go balls deep into that one if that were the case. Anyways, you'll hear stories such as The Mad Pooper, a female jogger who wreaked havoc in a Colorado Springs neighborhood, using one family's front yard as her own personal dumping grounds. If this kind of content sounds like it's up your alley, excuse me, that's illegal. It's available right now on all your favorite podcatchers. So come join me. I'll be right here waiting for you.